This message is brought to you by The Covenant Nation. Okay, uh, good afternoon everyone. Normally I'm in the studio, yeah, so this is a step up for me. I'm on the platform today. Thank you, Pastor Podju. Thank you, Pastor Tony, for this opportunity. And um, anytime people say I've raised money, you know, my wife is an entrepreneur, so she will always ask me, when are you raising money for me? <laughs> now, next slide, please. So I'm going to speak about entrepreneurship, but I'll focus on the myths, the fears, and the facts. Next slide. And because today is Workers' Day, let me first thank all the entrepreneurs in the room. I have a lot of respect for entrepreneurs. As an entrepreneur, I understand what it means to be an entrepreneur. Because without entrepreneurs, there will be no entrepreneurs. So, to all the entrepreneurs, thank you very much. Now, this slide shows two doctors. One is a vet, and one is a human medical doctor. And I like to use it to describe entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. You see, the medical doctor is like an intrapreneur. When the patient comes, you have the advantage of asking him, what's wrong with you? Are you sick? He says yes. Do you have a fever? He says yes. Do you have this? He says yes. The entrepreneur is like a vet. Look at that dog. What are you going to ask it? <laughs> the best you can ask the owner is, did he eat? Yes. How are you going to ask the dog? Is he digesting? You have to figure it out. Next slide. And you know, for every business that is going to live long, let me use that word, the business has to reinvent itself. And I'll give you an example. In 2005, the banking consolidation was going on. And I was working for a bank called Broadbank. And we're going to get acquired by Union Bank. And so we went for the meeting where they were going to you know, discuss the share exchange. And after the meeting was over, I asked the guys on the Union Bank side, I said, are we not going to do due diligence on you? And so they told the broadband team to go. I was what you call today the CFO, and they told me to wait behind. I thought, these guys are going to discuss something serious. So they invited me into a room where they were all having a meeting, which they called Manco, about 18 people. Now, those days, our own boardroom just had chairs and seats. They had surround speakers, everything. And the CEO of the bank looked at me. He said, young man, you want to do due diligence on the stallion? Nobody does due diligence on the stallion. Four years later, I was walking on that same road. Amcon was doing due diligence on the stallion. <laughs> if you get it, you get it. <laughs> so, every business must reinvent itself. Every business. And so what do entrepreneurs do? They look for a need that has a large addressable market. The addressable market must be what? Large. And why I put the picture of that dog there is because every entrepreneur must be curious. You must be what? You must be curious. Now, look at Indomie. Indomie makes noodles, yeah? And they realize that people want different flavors. So they make chicken flavor, shrimp flavor. But guess what? Are you hearing that they are killing more chickens because of Indomie? It's flavor. They don't need to kill any chicken. So Indomie chicken is selling 
If you are raising chickens, you are not selling. Because that's not the need. It's a different need. So if you hear that people are eating Indomie chicken flavor, it's not going to affect your business because it's just what? Flavors. Next slide. Now, I call this the DNA toolkit for entrepreneurship. And it appears to both companies and individuals. So, when you look at this slide, it says an entrepreneur. The business you are running, is it a sprint? If it's for now. Or is it a marathon, which is visionary? If it's for now, it's a hustle. And there's nothing wrong in a what? In a hustle. You just know it's a what? It's a hustle. The leadership team, did they hire you to think? Or did they hire you to think and execute? Some people will tell you, Oga, you're hired to what? Think. Just earn your salary. That's what you're hired to what? To do. The person is not building it to last. He's building it to rest. There are two different things. And I'll get there. Organizational purpose. If the only reason you set up a business for is money, and there's nothing wrong, but some people set it up for more than money. They set it up because they want to fulfill a purpose, but they must make money while fulfilling what? That purpose. So if it's money, there's nothing wrong. The remuneration structure, is it pay as you go, or is it risk and reward? If it's pay as you go, there's nothing wrong. We're all hustlers. You pay me, you what? You go. Risk and reward, I build something for you, you reward me, you put in place a structure that enables people to think, look, if we build something here, we get rewarded. That's why people give people stock options, people give people bonuses in some organizations. If you say, boo, the entrepreneur will look at you and say, where were you? I was getting this question. Data maturity. Do you use any form of data? If you don't use any data in your business, in every meeting, everybody's a politician. Because it's now based on what? Perception. And in every argument, there are three parties. The two people arguing and history. That's why it's difficult to solve an argument because you don't know the history. And that's why when you see two people speaking, somebody will say, he has been doing that thing since. That's history. Organizational culture. Very important. Is it built to rest or built to what? That's why when you get into some organizations, you'll say, my friend, don't try anything here. This is how we have been doing it. Just do your own and what? That is built to rest, not built to last. Then the performance culture. Is it paternal or is it what? Is it married based? Now, I put something in there which I said, look, any conversation you have without data, they are just discussions about perceptions and opinion. Is a good name for gossip. Once there's no data, is what? It's gossip. So, next slide. Now, you want to innovate within an organization. You see, every organization is still there because of some people. No matter how terrible the organization is, some people kept it there for you to come and meet it. They might have expired, though. But it's because of them the organization is still what? Those are the gatekeepers. Then after the gatekeepers, you have what I call the old foxes. Those, you see, the gatekeepers ensure the organization is there. The old foxes ensure nothing changes. They are two different sets of people. <laughs> and they are the innovators' dilemma. When you meet them, they are experts at waiting for you at the junction. They'll just be waiting for you. Now, and that's why I spoke about organizational culture. For the gatekeepers, is built to what? To rest. 
Next slide. And then I put this matrix up. There should be more besides that. Okay. To show the interconnection between the government, entrepreneurs, and innovators. Entrepreneurs. So the government will create the enabling environment. Once that sector is attractive, entrepreneurs will come in. The entrepreneurs come in, and I'll use telcos and banks. After the entrepreneurs have come in, they set up the businesses. Then they need the entrepreneurs. So I'll give you an example. The telecoms companies came in. What were they doing? Voice, text, that's all, yeah? Banks were giving deposit and loans. A text message was created so that people can communicate what? You don't have to spend too much money calling the person. Cheaper way of communicating. And then one other telco came in and said, we can do per second billing. And it disrupted the market. And because of that thing called a text message, listen very well, a text message, the banks looked at it and said, we can build apps because people have phones. If there was no GSM, there would be no mobile app. So people innovated. They put the mobile app on the what? On the smartphone. And somebody thought, wow, it's not only people that have smartphones that should enjoy mobile banking. And they started USSD. This one, you didn't start something, something, start. Yeah? And then people came with WhatsApp, social media, and we all thought text messages are what? Dead. Next slide. Okay, this, this is actually the concluding part of that. You know. And because of that, you see, it is because some people innovated. That's why you have Urgent 2K. How will you have received the Urgent 2K? <laughs> urgent 2K is a derivative of an innovation. Where, where will the 2K reach you from? It won't reach you. It won't get to the destination. Now, next slide. You see these figures? So at times I prepare my slides like this so that if it gets missing, you must find me. I'm the only one that can speak to the figures. <laughs> See, in 2017, there's a telco, and everybody thought text messages are dead. They made 13 billion from text messages. And when Yvonne was saying you should read the annual account of companies that is boring, it depends on what you are looking for. If you are looking for innovation, it's not boring. You will see opportunities in those financial accounts. And when you are speaking, people say you have market intelligence. Which intelligence? Intelligence that is available for all of us. You refuse to read. And the entire salaries of everybody in that telco was $23 billion. By 2022, you know, none of you use text messages. Again, you all use WhatsApp. That same company made $63 billion from text messages. And the total salary of everybody in that telco is $45 billion. You know why? Because some people innovated by using SMS to send a lot. So the telcos just started making money from a lot for doing no work. And look at how that money is now paying the salaries of everybody in the telco. They'll just sit down. They'll be sending a lot all around. <laughs> That's entrepreneurship. In 2017, you know how many NIP messages were sent in Nigeria? 370 million. In 2017, by 2022, roughly 5 billion NIP messages, all these urgent alerts, urgent, urgent. As it is going on, 
Some people are just making what? Money. Now, by 2022, I was looking at the financials of another telco. They lend money for airtime. They've made about 84 billion. The whole 84 billion is not airtime lending, no. They should disclose it before the airtime lending. But I think they now realize that people might say, ah, ah, this is too much. So about 90% of it is airtime lending. Because people want to speak. And see, they are meeting a very critical need. And I'll tell you what the need is. If you meet somebody who needs to make a phone call and somebody is in the hospital, he can't afford not to have credit. So they're meeting a very urgent need. That telco made 84 billion from lending airtime. See, the second figure there, the 111 billion, is the total interest income made on loans by one of the top 10 banks in Nigeria. Obviously, not FCMD. <laughs> total interest income. So, what that telco made from borrowing people money for airtime is 76% of what a, a top 10 bank is making from giving loans. Now, you know what? This one is risk-free. You see this other one? You see this other one? This 111 million by fire, by force. CRO, credit department, everything. That's the power of innovation. Now, you see that figure there called 378 billion. See, everybody benefits from this ecosystem. You know that stamp duty law, it had always been there. It's when the government now found out that, ah, you people are sending money in here. The government who came in. The government has collected 378 billion in the last six years from stamp duty. The only reason they can track it is because it's what? Electronic. Before it was electronic, how would they track it? So even the government has come to the party. But remember, without the government auctioning GSM licenses. All this will never what? Happen. Without entrepreneurs coming in, all this will not what? Happen. Then the entrepreneurs take over. Now, the figure there at the other end is 14.5 trillion. That is what the pension industry is worth today. And, sorry, go to the next slide. And that will take me to you see, if you look at what I've written there, the government, in the, in the budget document that the Minister of Finance presented this year, they spoke about this electronic money transfer levy. Even the government is not interested. This thing you people are making, we need it. Fola Adiola is an entrepreneur. Yeah? He went into government. When you're in government, you, must, you have to be an entrepreneur because you are not the government. And he set up that pension industry. And so when people say you can't innovate within government, it's not true. You can innovate anywhere. It depends on the mindset. But I was reading an article. He said when he was going in, he gave them a few conditions. And one was that he was not going to earn any salary throughout when he was there. And they were allowed him to choose his secretary or something. Who ended up being Chinelo. Next slide. Now, I just want to show some standalone case studies. You see, people talk of Jakpa, Jakpa Da. See, they are different. Me, I've been jackpotting internally. <laughs> jackpot from one institution to another. So I've jackpot internally. I'm, I'm an internal jackpot. <laughs> Some people are external jackpots. You jackpot out. So I've jackpot out and come back. Where I am now is my second missionary journey. I left there in 2008. I'm back now. 
So I've also jacked that. Nothing is new under the sun. When I was leaving the organization, they were setting up a business called Credit Direct. They had just set it up. A lot of you might not even know it's a subsidiary of FCMB. The people on the street, they call it Sharp Sharp because it gives quick credit. That business, in the consumer lending market, by the time I came back, it has paid dividends of over 20 billion naira. Dividends. Divi what? Dividends. Dividends. Standard pensions was started less than 20 years ago. They contribute 58% of the dividend that Stambik pays. Let me tell you something. Stambik's dividend annually is over 45 billion. Last year, Stambik pensions paid the parent company a dividend of 26 billion naira. One company. New businesses started. The founders are not the ones running it. Existing people. The last one, United Capital. I was working in UBA when it was spun off. Today, that business pays dividend. This year, 9 billion naira. Not earnings or what? Dividend. Dividend. Some of them are listed, some of them are not. Small case studies. Next slide. Now, you see, there are mental battles that entrepreneurs face. But some things people don't discuss. You see, the society, it doesn't have a place for entrepreneurs. The society recognizes what? And that's what the society... It's, it's a societal issue. So when you are going to school, your parents will tell you, do a professional course. You say, why? They say, so you can set up on your own. So, people, most people look at entrepreneurship as the end game. And I think one of the speakers spoke to it where he said, people... Some people, I think it was Dr. Labran said, some people within, they are hustling as entrepreneurs, earning less than they were doing before. But they'll just be saying, but, but my brother, we're still hustling. Now, Yoruba people will say, when you say you're an entrepreneur, they'll say, I want to go and call it one jishu. You know what that means? Your mates are building houses, you are stealing the nails. But it's wrong. Next slide. Sorry, keep put this slide back. And then a lot of entrepreneurs will tell themselves, they'll say, after this, I'm just going to walk away because guess what? When the status is gone, the phones always stop what? Ringing. But remember, for all the time you were there, they paid you. It's a contract. They what? They paid you. And you've got a platform to innovate. And then the mental pressure, you know, I think it was when Didi was speaking. And people say, yeah, it's good to be an entrepreneur, you get a salary, but there's a mental pressure that comes with it. And so I always tell people, discuss with people who've walked that path before. And don't do only that. See, it's a selfish entrepreneur. All you do is work. That office has provided a platform for you to prosper. You have to look for another platform to give back. It can be CSR, it can be mentorship. You have to look for another platform. Next slide. You know, in this entrepreneurship journey, at times it will test your curiosity. I had a boss. They were doing cost cutting in his office. So he innovated and they cut cost. So they fired one guy. So the son 
of the person they fired and his son were in the same class. So the boy came to school, looked at him, said, your father fired my father. <laughs> when the man came back to the office, he saw me the next day, he said, Boli. Ah. He said, I felt bad. I said, I thought you were a hard man. He said, I felt bad. But was doing his job. I remember I was working in an organization and we thought that, look, guys, we're paying too much of transportation. And so we looked at the Uber option. And so we said, the people that are not in the front office, let's enroll them on corporate Uber. So we did it. The first month, the salary, <laughs> the amount we spent was less than the salary of the drivers. It was about a quarter of the salary of the drivers. So we had to let the drivers go. Somebody now called me. He said, Bolao. I said, yes. He said, where are you? I said, I'm in the office. He said, they are carrying placard. Oh, your name is in front of the placard. <laughs> the people carry placard. They say, send that boy back to where he came from. So, at times, it will test your humanity. And then people start fearing for you. You are the one doing the work. Oh. People start fearing for you. But I'll end with this. And I'll say, you know, the job provides a platform for you. And everybody cannot be an entrepreneur. Some people were born to be entrepreneurs. And I'll give you three advantages entrepreneurs have that they never realize. You are somewhere, you are innovating, they are paying you a salary. You see, during COVID, I am an entrepreneur. My wife is an entrepreneur. So, she runs a school. There were no students. The next thing, I came to my living room. The thing I turned to a school. They were doing virtual classes. They had to survive. But I was getting paid. We switched to virtual mode. You have existing customers. With existing customers, you can do a lot with existing customers. A lot of startups, they spend their first two years buying customers. They raise capital to buy. So when you hear people telling you, we give you this free, we give you this free, it's investors' money they're using. They buy the customers. Number three is, they don't have unlimited capital. You will do it. If it doesn't work well, well, the organization will say, well, you tried. I mean, you can also lose your job. It's not in the trial. <laughs> but you tried. And fourthly, is that you have access to existing talent. So when you need something, you call somebody, and the person helps you out with it. But finally, in the new world we're going into, you cannot innovate alone. It has to be with partnerships. As you can see from the NIP experience, for that innovation to happen, you needed the telco, you needed the banks, you needed guys they call aggregators. You need, one person can't do it alone. The world is now so interconnected. So it's not the case of I'm a genius. Those days are gone. And what we're seeing today is a tip of the iceberg. Metered consumers, 11 million. Total consumers, 51 million. When those 51 million consumers are metered and they start paying electricity bill with NIP, you can imagine the money that some of these telcos will be making. You can imagine the money that other people in the ecosystem will be making. So I leave you with this. That job is a platform. Make the best of it. Thank you very much.